630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. Oilers. 630 Chad. The curse of the Coyotes continues for the Edmonton Oilers. It is a remarkable streak. Quite frankly, it's hard to fathom. The last time the Oilers beat the Coyotes in regulation time was January 25th, 2011. 24 games. In those 24 games since that day, the Coyotes are 20-0-4 against the Oilers. So the Oilers have won four times, but they were all in overtime or a shootout. They had chances to win in overtime and a shootout tonight. Heck, they had a chance to hold on to a 2-0 lead and win in regulation time, but they can't get it done. The Coyotes get a 3-2 victory. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. Well, Rob, uh, it just it just continues against the Arizona team. And as soon as as soon as Doan scored that tying goal in the third period, we were both like, "Well, Arizona's probably getting at least another point. Just a matter of who was going to get the extra one." Well, the problem for the Oilers tonight is they allowed the the Coyotes to hang around, and the Coyotes are a team that if they hang around. Uh, they seem to find a way to get it into that extra session, and then all of a sudden it becomes a crapshooter who's going to win the shootout. Uh, Arizona got off to a good start, and a surprising start. I mean, I you look at their record, you look at the type of team they've been the last number of years, you don't expect them to come out and throw 20 shots on net. A lot of it was poor puck management by the Oilers, but give Phoenix, or excuse me, Arizona credit, uh, a strong forecheck, uh, good speed, uh, tenacity, and they pushed the pace. They, you know, they fell behind. They, they, they could have wilted when it was down 2 nothing. You're a last-place team. You go down 2 nothing to a team that's playing well. Yet next shift, they come out and score. And that was a huge goal for Arizona, making it 2-1, getting out of the first period, just down a goal. All of a sudden, they had belief again. You mentioned uh, Arizona throwing everything at the net over half of their shots in the first period. They had 22 in the first period for the game. The shot's 41-34 in favor of Arizona. Certainly... Um, I mean, whichever team would have wound up losing, you'd be questioning their puck management. There was a couple shifts in the third period where we looked at each other and said, are, are both teams trying to give this game away? <laughs> Including Mike Smith, who had a good game in net, uh, throwing a couple away. He did. He he almost cost the, the game. The penalty that Arizona took in overtime was created by a bad play by Mike Smith. He makes a save and then immediately tries putting the puck back into play but he put his Arizona teammates in a bad position. They eventually have to take a, a tripping call on Jordan Everly as he was walking in. And then the Oilers with the the golden opportunity on the power play, not able to score the goal. They have three very tired Coyote defenders out there. They were out the entire three minutes, and that, and that is very tiring. So they had their opportunities, and then there's bad luck at the end as Matthew Benning makes an unbelievable play to Connor McDavid who somehow was able to get the puck up and over and under the crossbar, 
but one one-hundredth of a second too late, and that extra point wilted away with that. So the Oilers now 12-8-2. Their three-game winning streak ends, and our streak of three games with the Japanese Village goal light also ends. The Oilers have to score five or more in a game for us to turn that on on 630ched.com slash Oilers. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village, three locations downtown, south side and north side. 3-2 Coyotes in a shootout. We have Scott on the line. Scott, thanks for calling. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Good, yeah. No, I was just calling. Like, I watched that overtime goal there. I thought that was in a little higher up over the goal line than what it was. Uh, I mean, from from our when we watched it on the video, it looked like it was right over the goal line as zero 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 came up. Well, I thought it was right on the goal line at point one, but then once it moved in, it was at so, zero. So I don't think they could. Count. Uh, I mean, it was I, really uh, close. Hey, you know what? It, the ball bounces always, right? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, unfortunate. One thing that I'm calling about too is like, you know, we have our announcers on Sportsnet, and that Drew uh, Remendela, he like he's such a negative attitude on on our Edmonton sports team. Well, I don't know what to tell you, Scott. Nothing Some... good to say. And I started a Facebook page. I think we should get rid of him and start like. Come on, Scott. Come on, Scott. You know better than that. Some people don't like Rob. Some people what? don't like me. What do you mean? Who doesn't like? A couple like people that's... don't like you. Most people Drew, don't man, like me. Sucks. Drew sucks. All right. Thanks. Appreciate that, guys. Great call. Especially the clown in the background. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Sam on the line. Hey, Sam. Hey, how's it going? Good. <clears throat> yeah, I just wanted to call in and, uh, you know, just comment on Everly's play. I just thought, I don't know if he was gripping the stick too tightly or not tight enough. I don't know what was going on tonight. He couldn't bury anything. Well, he, along with a lot of the Oilers forwards, had a number of golden scoring opportunities and didn't put them in. Everly had, what, trying to think, what he had for shots tonight. He, had like, he must have had like four or five. Well, he had, he had three shots that hit the net. He had three shots that got blocked and another three that missed the net. So he had nine that he threw on net just... Yeah, you're right. And the thing, when you are a goal scorer and you put on a line and on a power play and you're supposed to score, you know, it's... you got to finish. Yeah. You do. I, yeah, that's why you're out there. And exactly. the, the Oilers certainly could have used that tonight. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if he buried one of those chances, right? Like, yeah. That would have been the game right there. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and we talk about it a lot. And Daryl Sutter was the one that said it's a 3-2 league. And the Oilers, if they one more goal in the in the regulation or overtime, it would have been a three-two win for the Oilers. Their goal yeah. scores, they they need to score. And Connor McDavid is a guy that drives his bus, and he gave ample opportunities to to his line mates and to his power play line mates to be able to capitalize. They weren't able to do it tonight. Yeah, I mean, he, there's only so much he, the guy can carry the team on his back, right? Like other guys got to show up. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate the call. 780-496-0063. The three stars tonight as selected at the Gila River Arena. Max Domi, Mike Smith, and Shane Doan. It's pretty easy to give Connor McDavid the fourth star then tonight. Yeah, he was very good. Courtesy of Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. McDavid got an early goal. Nearly got a late goal. A buzzer beater that had to be reviewed. Didn't count. The game went to a shootout. Uh, Declare missed for the Coyotes. Letestu scored for the Oilers. He's now 44.8% in his career in shootouts. Well, I mean, good on the Oilers coaching staff realizing that Letestu's got a move that he can put in 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 the shootout. But as you know, he's he's not always been a checker. He was an offensive player 
when he played junior hockey, and obviously he's still got that kind of skill set when he's in the skills competition. That was a nice shot that he put in past Smith. Verbata scored. McDavid lost the puck before he could get a shot away. Oliver Ekmer Larson scored, and then Everly shot wide. So that's how the shootout broke down 3 2. Coyotes take it. Okay, Cliff is on the line. Hello, Cliff. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. How are you guys tonight? Very good, thank you. Uh, isn't this mind-boggling? Uh, I think the record speaks for itself, uh, the 20 and the four overtime wins that Edmonton had over, or, uh, you know, how many games, 24 games. Um, you know, it, it, it appeared because of the shots on goal uh, that we did not have tonight, and even though we had, you know, it seemed like a hundred of chances, and nobody's putting it in, you know, past the net. While well, the other day we, uh, uh, the other, the other couple of uh, times we've done it. Um, it, it, it one thing I, I find not only with this with this division, but even other divisions, it's 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 really ironic how the last place team always gets up and motivated to play the first place team, but somehow the first place team isn't as motivated when they have to play the last place team and and you know that's what it appears like to me and again the record speaks for itself uh it's a it's it, it's just mind-boggling as to why phoenix has got edmonton's number it, you know, yeah it's a uh, bit yeah it's been a long time and, and and some years they were both were they were both bad teams i mean arizona had a couple of good years they went to the west final what was it four or five years ago but uh yeah i mean they they're most these teams have been out of the playoffs both of them most most of the time recently, and somehow Arizona still wins. I don't know the last place for. I mean, it, Colorado was last place in the Central when the Oilers played them, and the Oilers won. But I mean, sometimes you you do get a motivated team. Right? I mean, the Oilers were clearly motivated to play Chicago a few days ago. Yeah, certain yeah, games well, you're more up yeah. for than others. Yeah, clearly it's it's uh, uh, again a million dollar question as to why that happens. I guess we'll find out what happens on Sunday, and. Uh, uh, hoping for the best. Uh, we should have won that game last night, and uh, or tonight, excuse me. And um, I'm thinking ahead of myself. I wish it was tomorrow already. Uh, That's okay. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, when you look at it on paper, I mean, I mean, face it, it should have been like a five-one game. You know, if you look at it on paper. Uh, yeah. You know, as 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 you know, you look at the players and who's these. I mean, half these people. For, there's only a few people in Phoenix that would be considered on other teams and that's why they're on Phoenix and and you know just simple as that that's the way I look at it and, and that's what makes it so mind-boggling try figure this one out it, it's I might be up half tonight but <laughs> all right <laughs> you know? well, I hope you get some sleep Cliff thanks for calling okay buddy okay you're welcome 780-496-0063 the Coyotes take it 3-2 in uh, a shootout we want to talk about our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors life is the roughest game of all feel better move better live better with help from your chiropractor visit albertachiro.com they took Hendricks and Slepeshev out Pouliot and Latestu returned we talked a little bit about Latestu you know I thought he did his job he won 70% of the faceoffs he took which is really good played 14 minutes so that's kind of a typical Latestu night good on the kill helped the team out in the uh, shootout Pouliot back in uh, played 14-28 actually didn't get a shot on goal didn't get a shot attempt tonight quiet a quiet night for for Benoit and, and that's the problem there's been too many quiet nights for Benoit this year and uh, he was put on a line with Dry Settle, who has been very, very good as of late. He's got, a, I think, he had a five-game scoring streak coming into tonight's game, and created tonight. But uh, 
Pouliot just, I mean, I, Bob asked me after the game if I would make any changes before next game. I said I would probably make one, and uh, Pouliot, I, I probably would pull him back out of the lineup and, and put Slepyshev back in. Slepyshev was playing very well. And Pouliot, you, you expected fire from him tonight, you know, sitting out three straight games. The test who came in did exactly what he was expected to do, win face-offs, penalty kill was very very good and then throw in the bonus of a shootout goal Pouliot was quiet again all right we have Adam on the line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. hi Adam how's it going tonight you guys we're doing well right on yeah I didn't get a chance to watch the game I was at a function but I had the cell phone on the table checking on the highlights but I had a bad feeling about tonight's game I just I, I know it's a different team this year we're all getting pumped but for some reason it's like Calgary to Anaheim. I just had a bad feeling that this was not going to go our way. Like, I was more nervous going to the third period than the Colorado game because I thought they were going to come back against Colorado. They still leave you that little bit of doubt on these games they should win, I'm worried about still. Yeah, well, and after, I mean, they still get a point, so they do take over first in the Pacific Division if you want to look at it from a half-full standpoint. Now, Anaheim and San Jose are going to play, so somebody's going to catch up and maybe pass Yeah, I believe it was you today, Reed, on the pregame show. Maybe it was saying that maybe to get the three out of four points when they play him on Sunday. Uh, I I don't remember I don't remember if I said that oh, or not. Okay. I say a lot of stuff, but, but 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 if you it's now Sunday's game is pivotal, right? Because if you win Sunday's game, you can look back and say, okay, we answered a five-game losing streak by going four zero and one. Yeah. If you yeah, lose, no, and you get the point. You're right. Yeah, and if you lose on Sunday, then you say we just lost to the last place team in our division. Well, two then games we're back doubting again. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, good good job. Interesting. I always listen to the show after the game. So thanks for letting me talk. All right, appreciate it, Adam. That is Adam, 780-496-0063. We should, I mean, one of the the McDavid breakaway goal was outstanding. What about the Clefbaum-Larsen connection to make it 2-0? Well, what was so neat about it is you see plays like that happen in games. It's usually the McDavid backdoor to Eberle or Dreisaitl hitting uh, Maroon or something along those lines. Very rarely do you see the two defensemen with a cross-ice one-time pass, both players below the, the hash marks in the offensive zone, but you got to like the fact that, first of all, Clefbaum takes the puck and, and is assertive going to the net. But what you really got to like is Larson. He's at the point. He reads it as a defensive man who is covering him. It doesn't have a head on a swivel. Is looking at the puck. He jumps behind him and sneaks down back door. And then it's that's not a position that Larson's in very often. And we've seen... Uh, uh, so many times, and we've talked about it post-game so many times, where an Eberle or, or a forward doesn't one-time the puck. They, 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 take, they stop it, dust it off a bit before they throw it on net. Larson gets in a position that he's very rarely in and, and one-times it with authority. And Mike Smith has absolutely no chance on it. So good on Clefbaum, good on Larson. And as good as the McDavid goal was, to me that was the prettiest play of the night. A wonderful D-to-D pass that created a goal for the Edmonton Oilers. All right, uh, Darren says the Oilers seem to lose to teams they should beat. The Leafs, the Senators, and an injured, tired Stars team. Is this a sign of immaturity when they can't focus for the lesser teams? Uh, don't be afraid to, th- afraid to throw in the Buffalo Sabres who were badly beat up when they came yeah, in, Yeah, I think that was the, that, that's the worst loss of the year, yeah. obviously. I mean, the Senators game... Anderson was outstanding. It was one nothing. Was it yep. with one nothing with nothing net goal? Yep. Uh, yeah, the Leafs game, you know, could have could have been better. Um, I think two things on that. The the first thing is, 
there's no weak, weak teams in the National Hockey League anymore. On any given night, anybody can beat anyone. Sure. More so than any time. You know, when I played, there were teams that you, went, you knew you were going to beat because they were just simply bad. Nowadays, there's no real bad teams. I mean, that Arizona's last place. And they're still a quality hockey team with one of the best defensemen in the world playing on their team and some very good young stars. Having said that, I don't think the effort level that the Oilers had tonight was equivalent to the effort level that we saw them against the New York Rangers or against the Chicago Blackhawks or teams of that ilk. Or even games they lost. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The effort seemed to be more. I think they came in... Uh, they were a little loose, and you could tell they were loose by the simple fact there was a lot of bad plays, a lot of simple plays, 10-foot passes that passed to no one. That they've been making. They've been making consistently. So that shows that, and I don't think they go into the game thinking, oh, we're going to beat these guys, but there is an emotional letdown against certain teams, and we saw that tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a valid point. Now, I mean, we can talk about all 22 games. They've beat some pretty good teams. I mean, they beat mm-hmm. St. Louis. They beat Chicago. Now, did those teams play their best? I mean, we can debate that back and forth. But the the record is decent, 12-8-2. It's, again, I think the Oilers are an improving team. I don't know if I quite want to say that they're a good team. Uh, they did things. They got the lead tonight, which was important. We've been complaining about that. But I, for me, it was almost, you know, concentration. I mean, some of the passes, like you mentioned, short passes that are usually completed, puck rolls off your stick. There were a couple times a defenseman went to reverse a puck behind the net. An Arizona guy is standing there and steals. I mean, that's concentration, not checking or double-checking that your guy is open. And the, you know, I get that cost them tonight. Even if it didn't cost them goals, cost them possession, cost them breaking out the puck. But at the end of the day, over the course of 82 games, some games you play are not going to be as good as others. And that's not just the Oilers. It's, it's the Blackhawk, it's the Blues, it's the New York Rangers. I mean, the New York Rangers who we saw in our outstanding hockey club, absolutely dominate the Pittsburgh Penguins. Then two nights later, they lose 6-1 to them or 6-2 to them. So good hockey team. Wild beat the Penguins 6-2 yeah. today. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, good teams have bad nights. It's, and when you have a bad night, anybody can beat you, and we saw that tonight. Well, and, I, and, and again, that's why Sunday's game, you hope the Oilers can come out and dictate it. Yes. I mean, a, a seven, I mean, I realize Edmonton beat Chicago. In a seven-game series, I do not pick the Edmonton Oilers against the Blackhawks. I just don't. No, I agree. Not at this point. In a seven-game series, would I pick the Oilers against the Coyotes? Quite, quite frankly, I would. Yep. Maybe in a day and a half, I'll be singing a different tune. But well, well, well right now, if they were going to do it that way, they would have to be playing a best of forty-five. <laughs> Because right now it's twenty to four in favor. Yeah, no kidding. In that's favor good. of the uh, Arizona good, Coyotes. That's a good point. We have Jason on the line. Hey, Jason, go ahead. How's it going? We're doing well. Thanks for calling. Hey, yeah, I just wanted to talk about uh, the fact that uh, Peter Shrelly and Todd McCullen are doing such a great job of developing this team. I didn't think that this team could improve that fast. Very impressed. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, with Todd, though, I noticed that with some of our losses, he gets out-coached, and I'm wondering, when it comes to the playoffs, if we think he can get us there. Well, I, Jason, could you just maybe like, give us an example, because that's kind of a broad... Like, Was there something tonight well, you felt he got I, out-coached in? Well, I noticed that uh, the team he iced tonight, everyone questioned a lot. But more so, when we had our losses there, he seemed to have his lines in a blender a lot. It was just... Every period it was a different lineup, different lineup, different lineup. We didn't end up winning. And I'd just like to know uh, your comments on that. 
Well, I, I've seen him in the games that we win where the lines rotate as well. I, I, most games when a lines start getting switched up is because the team is struggling to start with, and that's why he switches it up. At times he's juggled the lines due to the fact that uh, dumb penalties where he's sending a message to certain players. I think he's a very good coach. I think this team... He's an excellent coach. Yeah, and I think this team right now is more organized, more structured than it has ever been in the, I don't know, last 10, 10 years. I, I mean, there were some stretches with Ralph Kruger where they were where they were good, but I think this is they know what they're doing. When, when things go wrong, it's very easy for them to figure out what went wrong. Whereas before, I mean, it was like, okay, let's watch the video because I have no idea what went wrong. So I think he's good. Um, I I don't want to talk about what he's going to do in the playoffs against anyone. We're still a long ways before this team becomes a playoff hockey team. But the great thing that you said and the thing that's kind of fun right now is the fact that people are talking about when the Oilers get to the playoffs. And that is something that we have not talked about here in over a decade. So that's kind of cool. Jason, you're our finish the play contestant tonight. You're going to try to qualify for the grand prize draw. $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Here we go. And then Jamie McGinn, unable to execute in the slot. Brought the other way by Yesapuliarvi. In over the line, left circle, waits to the slot. All right, the choice tonight, does Puglia-Yarvi shoot or pass? I say he passes. And then Jamie McGinn, unable to execute in the slot. Brought the other way by Yesapuliarvi. In over the line, left circle, waits to the slot. Wrist shot and just missed the net. All right, turns out to be a shot. That's finished the play tonight. Jason, thanks a lot for calling. 780-496-0063. the Coyotes grab a shootout victory over the Oilers. They're now 7-10-2 on the season, and the Oilers are 12-8-2, one point ahead of San Jose for first in the Pacific Division. The Sharks have a game in hand. We have Bob on line six. Hello, Bob. Hey, how are you doing? Doing well. Uh, yeah, I'm just calling, like, uh, like I, I totally agree with you. I mean, the Oilers had a good game, right? Um, they started falling apart towards the second, third period. They just weren't giving enough, you know, emphasis, right, to, to win the game. So why do you think they're doing that? Well, I thought, actually, as the game went on, the Oilers were better than they were in the first. The, the first, the Oilers were, were horrible. They gave up a lot of shots in the first, but... They were giving up more opportunity come later on. They gave the game back to Phoenix. Well, I mean, I, I thought I, I thought it was a fair. I thought the first period Arizona was a better team. I thought the final forty, it was fairly even. I think they traded chances. I thought there was ample opportunities for the Oilers to win this hockey game. They had two or three golden scoring chances where they, if they score, they put themselves up. But to, the dry side of the line gave up. They gave up. Like that line was that line was balls coming in the first period, right? And like McDavid with his breakaway and everything like that, you didn't see any shines of anything like that come the third period or anything like that. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. Well, I mean, I think the Coyotes tightened things up a, a little bit too. I don't. I don't think the Oilers gave up. I don't think they were as polished or as detailed as they as they would have liked to be. But I, I don't think they they gave up by any means. We got Jared on the line as well. Hi, Jared. Thanks for calling. Hi, Robin. I just got a question for you guys, both of you. If let's say we fast forward to maybe Game 60 and the Oilers are in the same 
position or, or roughly where they're, you know, three points in the playoffs. But, you know, in the last stretch, if they don't play well, they can fall out of the playoff race. And if you had the same team right now, what would you try to upgrade on? Like, who, what trade kind of trade would you make to get oh. into the playoffs? Well, man, well, in general, I'd say you never can have enough good defensemen. That's that would be my general answer, well, but I mean, who knows? That's just simply watching tonight's game and watching the Arizona Coyotes, and they have an unrestricted free agent come season's end in Martin Hansel. I tell you, he will be highly sought. What about Stone on the back end? I mean, he, he would be good too. But I, I Hansel to me, I love watching that guy play. You make him your third line center, you are feeling pretty safe every time that third line walks out onto the ice. So. Yeah, I, I you know that's it's a good question, and it'll be nice to be in a buying seat yep. come the trade deadline because we've seen so many years here where we were sellers and we knew we were sellers and, and the season was over. So it'd be nice for the Oilers to be in a playoff run where they can look and say, you know what, how can we add? What do we need? And the the reason it's so hard to answer your question is because you don't know the health of the team come that time of year where they're going to need to shore up. Is someone out? Is is someone struggling? But to me, as Reed said, defense is always premium and center are always premium. And Hansel and Stone on the Phoenix Coyotes or the Arizona Coyotes, both could be guys that are moved come March. Okay. Jared, I'll probably talk to you Monday. Okay, buddy? Okay, have a good night, guys. Okay, thank you. 780-496-0063. The Oilers get two goals tonight. That means a $50 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. 25 bucks for every goal all season long. You can go to the Oilers page on 630ched.com to follow the total. we got a full board of calls. Everybody's getting on, but we got to take a quick timeout. It's 1046, <coughs> Coyotes 3, Oilers 2 in a shootout. We're in the Terry Peranich team broadcast. Cast Center, you're listening to Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Here's a turnover of the Lord's third pass. And a save made on Ryan White by Cam Talbot. Point blank, he bails out the Oilers off a tough giveaway deep in their own zone. Cam Talbot making 39 saves tonight, but he only stopped one of three in a shootout. Coyotes win it 3-2. Save of the game for Armour Insurance. Complete a free quote for a $10 Tim card at armorinsurance.ca. Thought there was uh, pretty good goaltending in this game mm-hmm. at both ends. Talbot uh, stood tall when he needed to. I mean, he got beat by, well, actually both goals. The Doan deflected one, and the other one we think hit Russell on the way in. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a tie. He played well. And then, then you go to a shootout, and it's a crapshoot. But it, it, it's funny, and I didn't know it, and you didn't know it, and then Drew Ramonda said it during the thing. Redeem Vervada has scored more shootout goals than anybody in the history of the NHL. And you would you could have given me 50 guesses, and I'm not guessing Vervada. But good on him. And then as he go walks in and uh, makes it look easy as he beats Talbot. Uh, it's nice having that in your back pocket, someone that's pretty money in the... Uh, in the shootout, and Verbata was tonight. Yeah, for his career, I'm just double-checking the game notes. Okay, first of all, Verbata has now taken 98 shootout attempts <laughs> in his career, uh, and he's scored on 43 of them. So he's 43 for 98. It's pretty good. 
<laughs> that's a pretty good percentage, but he must play on a lot a lot of teams that play. I, usually it's low-scoring teams are the ones that go to shootouts the most. So, yeah, but good, uh, and, and he's successful. So the, 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 the Coyotes don't mind getting into a shootout when you got a, a Rabada on the bench. All right, we got our old buddy Terry on the line. Hey, Terry, thanks for calling. Hey, Rob Reed, good evening. Uh, three things. Uh, number one, uh, Chris Russell. I... I've been meaning to talk to you about this for a while. I, I saw an, um, a documentary or whatever on CBC a few years ago. This young guy was uh, a little farm kid, and they were interviewing him and his family. Uh, he was playing with Calgary at that time, and I sat there and I thought, well, I don't like the Flames, but boy, I sure like this kid a lot. He sure seemed to be a, a diamond. And, um, you know, secondly... Uh, uh, looking at tonight's game <laughs> from Arizona, I've been there, and uh, I don't know, the last few games I've been in Arizona, it's not exactly been anything to write home about. I was there when, <laughs> at the end of the um, uh, the lockout, or the beginning of the semi-lockout season a few years ago, and Jakubczyk, or whatever his name was, scored an overtime winner, and they won 2-1 to or 3-1, to and I think I just about chewed off one of the ushers' heads as I was leaving. It was such a crappy game. And then then finally the third thing was uh, uh, I tried this thing uh, not drinking. And they won a couple of games, so I went back to drinking tonight. That didn't really help very much, did it? Well, you know what? Don't give up on it. Keep drinking. (laughs) Nobody likes a quitter. <laughs> Terry, it's always good to hear from you, buddy, okay? All right, man. Have a good night. That is Terry calling in, 780-496-0063. Just want to run through the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard tonight. The Calgary Flames get a 2-1 win in Boston. The Flames up to 10-12-1 on the season. The Blue Jackets are 8-2-2 in November as they beat the Lightning 5-3. Red Wings over the Devils 5-4 in overtime. The Stars beat the Canucks 2-1. It's the Rangers over the Flyers 3-2. The Sharks beat the Islanders 3-2. And the Blackhawks beat the Ducks 3-2 as Rob and I mentioned Minnesota pounding Pittsburgh tonight 6-2 the Capitals win on home ice 3-1 against the Sabres and the Predators hand the Jets their fifth straight loss 5-1 the final there the Oilers farm team the Bakersfield Condors playing the San Jose Barracuda. The Barracuda win at 4-1. The Edmonton Oil Kings trail the Everett Silvertips 5-2 late in the third period. That's your Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard. We have Eli on the line. Eli, thank you for phoning. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, I just want to mention that, uh, you know, since Russell's been back, it, it seems like the Oilers are a more confident team. Uh, would you guys agree? Um, I, I know, not sure confident, but they, they're, they got a top four that's very, very good. So I think as a, as a coaching staff, you feel more comfortable with, with your team and who you can put out on the ice. And players are certainly put in a position for more success because they're moved, slotted back where they belong, such as a Benning moving down to the third pairing. So, yeah, I, I don't know if they're more confident because this is a pretty confident bunch. But I can tell you, watching, and I'm more confident in what this team can do with Russell in the lineup. I, I think his experience adds some composure to the lineup. I mean, McDavid talked after the game about the calmness coming from Lucic. I think Russell helps there. And plus, he has a skill set with some skating and, and puck movement that helps. They're 10-3-2 with him in the lineup, so uh, you, you can't argue that. But I, I think definitely just him 
being, you know, in his late 20s, 500 and some games of experience. I just think that's added a little bit of a vibe that the Oilers needed. Oh, definitely agree. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's so much easier to watch the games. You know, unfortunately with uh, with Drew announcing, it's it's tough to to get that positive stuff. But you know, somebody like Russell on the ice helps. Thanks, Eli. Call any time, man. We appreciate it. We've got a text here from Cal. He says, hi, Reed and Rob. I have a question for you. Uh, I think Todd McClellan's a great coach, but if you guys were coaching and you were on a three-game winning streak, would you change your lineup? I don't think I would unless you're bringing someone like McDavid back from injury. What do you guys think? Well, we, we talked about it the other day. I, I said that it's one that you can go either way on. I, I would under if he would have kept the line the same. I would have said, you know what, they they're winning. Why mess with it? Everyone is doing their part during these wins. They're playing very well, so I would have been comfortable with keeping it the same. On the other hand, you've got veterans that are sitting out. You don't want them to get too stale, and all of a sudden have you know a week goes by, then two weeks, then you're in three weeks. Because if you looked at the schedule, the Oilers are in a schedule where they should be winning these hockey games. Uh, Letestu came in. I thought he played very well. Pouliot, I don't think, was as strong. It's one of those, if they win tonight, if, if McDavid's goal goes in a hundredth of a second quicker, we're saying, you know what, they did the right thing. They got those two guys in. They got them some ice time. Now you can go back to what you were at before. If they lose, now you question whether he should have done it or not. I don't think Hendricks or Shlepyshev would have made a whole lot of difference yeah, in know, the way right? the game went. You never know. Uh, but if I was going forward, I probably would put Slepyshev back in for the game on Sunday. For Pouliot or for somebody like for, Cassian? Or, for Pouliot. For Pouliot, okay. Yeah. We got Ray on the line as well. Hi, Ray. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, as the game gets going on, I don't know about you guys, but when it gets late in the game, I always think that each team is going to get one chance and whoever's going to capitalize is going to win late. And uh, your save of the game, I thought, was the chance for Arizona. They had that bang-bang play right in the slot. Talbot made a great save. And then I thought, okay, we're going to get our turn. And for me, that was the power play in overtime. And I was frustrated. And, Rob, I wanted to get your thoughts on it because, obviously, I love McDavid and the half wall. But he looked frustrated trying to find somebody to feed. There was nobody moving. And Lucic, for me, if he's going to be out there at that time, has to be right in front of the goaltender the screen but he would be off to the side and I don't think he has the hands for that and then Eberly was almost all the way across the ice on the half wall and to me uh, that was not the right combination of players for a four on three late in the game I almost wanted to see a little bit more skill there um, for McDavid to be able to feed somebody for a one-timer were you frustrated looking at that one too well it's funny you say that because as it as they were setting the players out I said to Reed if, if it's me I have dry settle out instead of Lucic because it is, this is a type of power play that's more of a skilled power play. When you have a five-on-four, you need net front presence. You need a guy because you're going to be working it back and banging it from the point probably. But when it's a four-on-three, to me it becomes more of a movement, skilled power play because there's so much more ice. There's only the three defenders out there. So I liked having, you, you, you have rotations. You start moving around. If McDavid starts on the goal line, he can carry the puck up, up doing a big circle, and everybody else shifts with him. And when they're shifting, now the defender's got to decide, do I stay with McDavid? Do I go with my guy? And you get them moving around. If you have a dry sidle on the ice instead of a Lucic, you've got two guys with great hands, great vision, and can make plays. The puck, a lot of the time, if I'm defending right there, I'm forcing the pass from McDavid down to Lucic. 
because you'd rather have the puck in Lucic's hand instead of McDavid's. It, it, that's just simple. So for me, I agree. I would have probably had a more skilled lineup out there, which would have included Dreisaitl. All right, the Oilers fall 3-2 in a shootout to Arizona. we got a break for the news, uh, breaking news in the last little while here. Fidel Castro has passed away, so we'll have some details on that. We're back after the news with more of your phone calls. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The Oilers unable to end one of the ugliest slumps in their franchise history. They have gone 24 straight games without beating the Arizona Coyotes in regulation time. Tonight, the Coyotes take it 3-2 in a shootout. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is 11.04. We'll go right back to the phones and bring in Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Good. Uh, I hate hearing that stat. I guess we more fired up than I am. Sorry, buddy. But it's <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, I, I, I just have a couple quick things. I want to <laughs> see what you guys think. Um, I agree with the, the lineup. I, I don't understand Pouliot putting him back in. I mean, we were 3-0 without him. He didn't add anything. I agree with people on that. And Rob, I agree with, with what you said. Maybe slap Shev instead next game. Um, the other thing was uh, Nuge in the uh, Nuge taking the defensive zone faceoffs. I, you know, I know his faceoff percentage is forty-five, whatever, but seems like the ones he does lose can lead to goals against, and they he loses them cleanly. I don't know if you guys picked up on that or not. But. Yeah, well, we did sure on the on the draw that led to the goal, and he had a, he had a rough night. He was at thirty one percent, and he was weird twice in the offensive zone in the third period. Once it was Eberle, and once it was Maroon went in instead of Nugent Hopkins. So yeah, yeah he didn't he didn't have a good night. He his yeah. faceoffs. Uh, I mean, Leon's starting to really come around on faceoffs. Nugent Hopkins still continues to be yeah. you know below fifty. Just in the defensive zone, maybe put uh, Dreyer Latestu would be my only thing. But anyway, what I'm really, I, I just can't understand is the goal at the end. I um, it was, Now, it was called a goal on the ice, was it not? Well, it, it was, but I don't think, it, I, I don't understand the whole rule. But the puck went in the net, and that's what the ref was pointing at. I'm not sure the ref can look at the clock and say it was in before the clock or not. He was just saying the puck went in the net. Okay, well, on the <coughs> the phantom Arizona goal, the ref also pointed that the puck went right. in the net. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, thanks, yeah, we forgot to talk about that. That I don't know what he saw. And we had, you know, a 10-minute delay, and it seemed like Connor's goal was about a 10-second delay. And well, uh, the, when the diff- it was a lot closer, and it actually did go in the net, you know, it, it just seems a little off. Well, the, the, I mean, the first one was a delay because the, call, the ref called it a goal. So now when it goes to Toronto, they are trying to overturn it. Now, you can't actually, in the video, the, the replays over and over again, you really don't see the puck much. But, you're, but you've, they're thinking, okay, how did this puck actually go in the net? So they made the right call when they called it no goal, but they needed more time because they had to overturn a ref saying he saw the puck in the net. 
The one that on, on Connor's goal at the very end, it was very simple. They looked at where the puck was when the clock went to zero zero zero, and that's all they were doing. As soon as they saw that, they they stop it. They say, okay, is the puck in or not? They felt it wasn't. I didn't think it was a goal either, and that's why it was a lot quicker. And see, and I go back to you know I don't know if you guys watch football or whatever, but I watch a lot of NFL and. You know, the ruling on the field is the main thing, and it has to be enough to overturn it. Absolutely conclusive. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I I just... Absolutely 100% conclusive? I don't know. Yes, I think, personally, I think it was. I I mean, I I didn't think you could conclusively say the puck was all the way over the line before the clock was at zero. And again, I know what you're saying, Dan. The ref pointed to the net. But, I, I mean, it's impossible for the ref to look at the net and the clock at the same time. And even if he could, his eyesight isn't going to allow him to see a tenth of a second or not. So I think he pointed to say, I've seen the puck cross the line, but now we have to review it because I heard the horn at the same time, right? And, and sometimes the horn might not be perfectly synced up with, with the clock down to the tenth of a second too, right? And just uh, one other quick thing. You guys made great points, and thank you. And the 6.30 Chet broadcast is amazing. I love it. Um, my uh, just one quick thing here, and a lot of people agree with me, the Sportsnet broadcast is awful. And the main reason is the color analyst. Now, he's complaining about every penalty against the other team. He's complaining. Apparently, Jerome McGinley is a Lady Bing candidate now. <laughs> it, it just it never ends. It seems to be a clear bias there. You guys don't have to comment or whatever, but it just it's bothering a lot of us Oiler fans, and it's taking away from the enjoyment of watching the games. It really oh. is. Okay, thanks, Dan. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers have to settle for a point. They lose three two in a shootout to the Coyotes. Here is head coach Todd McClellan. With opening scoring, were you kind of feeling like this was heading towards two points as opposed to one? Um, you know, I thought it was up in the air. I, I didn't think we were very sharp as a team tonight. We didn't have the same jump and uh, an execution level we've had lately. And. Um, you know whether it was our passing, skating, whatever, but also some mental uh, mental lapses. Two goals off of um, faceoff coverages uh, that got away on us. So we weren't uh, we probably weren't sharp enough for two points, and uh, we'll take the one and get home and try and do a better job against them on uh, whatever day it is Sunday. Three out of four on this trip, but does that kind of ease the pain a bit? No, you don't. You come to win every one of them, and uh, you know you can say you got five or six points but um, had we been sharp enough I think we could have had six so uh, we can't let ourselves off the hook Um, we put some points in the bank but uh, we're becoming a team that should expect more on a nightly basis and and, uh, not take the easy route out and let ourselves off the hook started so well with Connor's score, but I thought, you know, when he scored so easily on a breakaway, it looked like maybe it was one of these nights where you guys are just going to keep it going with your winning score. They just kept pounding away at Delta. Well, they were, um, they were a lot, again, a lot sharper than we were in the first period, and they gained uh, some confidence and momentum off of it. Um, they threw a lot of pucks to the net, and I thought our play around our net was um, maybe as weak as it's been in a little while. They got secondary opportunities, and and uh, beat us to pucks and you know that when that happens you've got things that you've got to fix and uh, one of them is to get home and get a little bit of rest and get ready to go again. 
I'm sorry? How did the test took place? I thought he was fine. He had face-offs and penalty kill and a goal in the shootout. Um, he was fine. What did you think of the uh, power play in overtime, just the way things were set up? It seemed like you had lots of time and space and chances, but just couldn't quite get the ball. Yeah, you know what? It, it, we maintained possession. We won face-offs. We had looks. Uh, we recovered pucks. We went through seams. We did everything but score. And, and even not at the scoring part, we didn't hit the net. Uh, we didn't make Smitty work a lot. Um, so it looked good, but uh, not much, uh, not much out of it. So when you were up at two one after the first, were you thinking you were fortunate? Yep. Yeah. Yep. After the first, we were. After the second, it was a little, little more fair. And then you still thought you could get it to the end of the game, even though you did wasn't the best game. Yeah, I, you know. I mean, that was a tip. Yeah. We have to. One of the things that that we all have to realize, um, coaches, players. Um, everybody around our team is that we're not perfect we're not going to be at the top of our game every night uh, but if we're sharp and we uh, we work together as five on the ice and we know where, where we need to be and limit the mistakes we have a chance to win games like that and tonight we just weren't sharp enough all right that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan uh, he's usually pretty uh, concise in his Summary, not not quite sharp enough. Uh, fair enough. He clearly didn't like the first period, liked the, the last two a little bit better, at least defensively. I like that he said, you know, we're becoming a team that should expect more on a nightly basis. The expectations and, and you know, callers referenced it earlier. Why can't you just go out and pound the snot out of a, out of a last place team and then get the points that way? Well, you, you, in a perfect world, you would. But uh, those teams that are lower in the standings, they still do push back. And the big, the biggest difference between a, a, a good team, an average team, and a poor team is anybody can beat anyone on any single night. The good teams, though, are consistent more often than they're not, and the bad teams are inconsistent more often. So on, a, on, a, on any given night, the bad team can win, but over the course of 82 seasons, the better teams are better more nights than the poor teams. So I think that's the biggest thing that you got to remember that you're not going to, just because the teams blow you in the standings doesn't guarantee you two points. That some nights they're going to rise up to the occasion. They're going to have a goaltender play well. They're going to have like an, an Oliver Ekman Larson who's going to stand on us, be incredible like he usually is against the Edmonton Oilers, and they're going to get breaks. And tonight the Coyotes came out and pushed back hard in the first period in a game that they were down too. I mean, that's the, the biggest thing. If you're watching, you're a Coyote fan or, or a Coyote manager, but you're pretty excited about the fact that you have a team that's dead last. And they were down 2 nothing, yet still fought back and came back and got two points in this game. The Oilers now got to regroup, and they got to be the better team on Sunday because they certainly weren't the better team here tonight. We have Steve on the phone. Hey, Steve. Hey, Reed. Rob. Hello. Excellent show tonight, guys, and uh, great questions and analysis by your call-in. So I want to talk about playoffs for a minute. <laughs> okay? Sounds good. Uh, we're 25, roughly 25% through the season. I want you guys, uh, I realize you're in a very public uh occupation, but I'm going to ask you a tough question. I want you guys to put your Peter Shirelli hat on tonight, and I want you to uh, pull out your whiteboard in a uh, hypothetical situation and say, all right, Reed, you get to make one change on the squad. And uh, Rob, you get to make one change on the squad and um, bring in or take out a player that's going to get us to the playoffs. And uh, I'd like to hear what changes you would make based on uh, you guys both have a high hockey IQ and uh, you're reasonably, uh, you know, experienced, and I'd be very interested to know what you would do. Thanks. 
Well, I would I would switch Jonas Gustafson for Carey Price. <laughs> Is that what he meant? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good trade. And you'd be GM of the year if you could pull that off. Well, t- there's two things that I would do. First, if I'm the GM of the team, I would start paying my radio host a lot more for the well, analysis they give. Now, I don't know if he's got any pull in that, but if he does, that's my first he does, move. He does it with my job. and this, Well, he does have some with mine, so that's my first move. The second one, though, it come, come the trade deadline, there's going to be players that are unsigned going into the offseason. They're going to be free agents that are going to move. I would find somebody with a high offensive pedigree that can come in for a month and a half or whatever it is at the trade deadline. I'm not even sure when it is this year. Come in. Somebody that can play uh, possibly on your first line with Connor McDavid, a pure goal scorer. I don't know who's out there right now because we're still so far away. I haven't started looking at that. But if they're in the, every year, there's always a, an offensive player on a bad team that's coming up for a new contract and he gets moved. If the Oilers could find that, preferably a right-handed shot that you can put for, with Connor McDavid for the last month of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I know what Steve is asking, and I, I, I mean. I think he wanted us to say like a specific guy. It's it's tough to know. I mean, it would have to be a trade that that made sense. And I mean, I'd, I'd be I'd want to keep as many centers as possible, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still think I think you're right, Rob. If the Oilers are hovering around a playoff spot or maybe in a playoff spot and look like they might have be a team that has a chance to do damage in the playoffs, then I, I still say you can't get enough D. I mean, we mentioned a, a guy like the Michael Stone on the Coyotes. Could, would you get him as a rental? Uh, you know, there's going to be, by that time of year, there'll probably be half a dozen teams that are out of the playoffs, like well mm-hmm. out of the playoffs, and that'll be selling like the orders have been in yep. recent years. So, I mean... Now, again, okay, so let, let's just use Benoit Pouliot as an example. He hasn't had a good season. He was a healthy scratch. He came back in tonight, didn't have, didn't have a big impact. But the thing is, that those are the, that's hard to trade a player like that. If especially he, if he with two years have, left on a contract. Especially with two years left on a, on a contract, right? So that's, that's, a tough, that's a tough one to answer right now. I know, I know what he's getting at, but that's, I, don't well, think, I don't think we gave him the answer he wanted. No, but, but have, if he calls back in late February that will be a lot of fun having conversations like that if they're actually in that situation mm-hmm. where they can even think about even getting a rental yep you know well that's what I'm thinking an offensive skilled goal scoring rental or so. even a, or even a guy see to me Rob I, I would even say a guy who just ha- has a nose for the net and can play you know an all-round game can still check you know like uh, I mean there's there's it's hard to score 30, 35 goals. There's a lot of guys, though, who can score 18 to 24. Yeah, but we got a bunch of them. Even, well, if you added another one, though, would that be... I mean, what if you what if you added another guy who could score who could score 20, who could check a little bit? But I'm, I'm looking... Right now, what we're missing is a pure goal scorer to play with Connor McDavid. I think they have him. He just isn't, hasn't matured fully into that yet. You're right, but he, he's not going to fully mature by the time February comes around. Okay, but who's going to trade an absolute... Somebody who's scorer? out of the playoffs. Okay, which out of which non-playoff team has that guy? I don't know. Well, what's, what's, okay. what's for Badagot? Who are some of the worst What's teams? for Badagot? On his contract. I don't know off the top See, of my head. So that's the type of player I'm thinking of. Okay. So, I mean, Fair once again, that's why I said I don't know. I haven't looked yet who now is uh, on whose contract is up. I haven't looked at next year's UFAs 
for the summer, who's going to be available. But that's the type of player that the Oilers need. Someone that can come in and they can put on the first line who's got not much time left on his contract, and you're only going to have him for a month, but he can score. Because the Oilers, I mean, we've seen Connor McDavid is uh, creating. He's in a one-year deal with the Coyotes. There you go. So there's a so guy. There's a guy they can yeah. trade. We have Blair on the line. Hello, Blair. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to say I agree with both you guys. On um, Benoit, I would have probably left him out. And I don't think today's game is as crucial as it sounds. Like last year, it would probably be the first game of a 10-game losing streak. But I'm thinking coming Sunday is the true challenge. And it reminds me of when Chicago had that, I think it was 14-game winning streak, and the Oilers beat them. You remember that? Yeah, they were. I think they they were eleven one and two in their previous fourteen coming in. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's. I don't think you know it's self esteem. I think it's just like McClellan said. It's something simple. The guys just have to wake up and remember that they have to show up every game and move on. Well, I, I think you make a fair point. I, I mean, like I know they've played twenty two games. They have not won now ten of them. So, you know, they got points in a couple. Except for the Buffalo game, even on nights the others haven't played great, they still had a chance to win, right? As Rob mentioned, tenth yeah, of a second they win. Letestu gave them the lead in the sh- shootout. You know, Talbot, who's been great, didn't make a save today. Sometimes that happens. I mean, I think this team, when they lose, they more feel like, okay, you know what? We missed two or three things off the checklist, as opposed to we missed a dozen. Yeah, that Buffalo game, I think everybody forgot to show up. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, the Oilers, it, there's a the Oilers in a lot of their games, it, it was a fine line. They they a bounce the other way, they could have lost. A bounce their the this way, they win. It's they're they're comp- competitive in every game. They're competitive, and at the end of the night, sometimes it's they just need the better breaks. And tonight, they get a bounce, they get a an extra hundredth of a second on the scoreboard. We're talking about the fact that they've just won three, what, four straight, three straight? Would have been four straight. Four straight hockey games coming home with a good opportunity to go on a maybe a five, six, or seven game winning streak. So that's how close it was. Even we're disappointed that they only got the one point, but we were that close to being able to put together another long winning streak. So it, it, it's a tight league, and you have to be your very best every night to guarantee victory. The Oilers weren't their very best tonight, but then again, neither was Arizona, yet they somehow got the one break more than the Oilers got. So what do you think about this team compared to the 2006 team? Well, oh, this team, man, that team had Chris Pronger. Pronger yeah, Pronger's a game, no, well, McDavid's a game changer, right? That yeah. last caller's question is we need somebody on the back end to put in our power play that now they now we got someone on the center that can score goals but now we got someone on the back end i don't think we have that back end threat like we used to have no, you're, yeah, that's you're right. a fair point too Good if point. they could if they could add and, and you know everybody says a right-handed shot quite frankly it doesn't have it doesn't have to be a right-handed shot oh. if if he's a really good power play defenseman. Yeah, it, no, it, the benefit of having a right-handed shot is the one-timer because Connor McDavid and Nugent Hopkins both set up on the same side. Well, fair, but if he's that good. But it's still the team. Yeah, I mean, well, I'd take anyone if he's that good, but still, if the benefit of having a right-handed one-timer, because the Oilers don't have a one-timer on their power play with McDavid. But, but I mean, I think if they're going to add something, I mean, barring injury, they're not going to need a goalie. I mean, I think Talbot's going to be fine. They have wingers, and they have versatile players. Kajula can go play the wing. 
you know, even Latestu can go play the wing. Even Dreisaitl. You know, I mean, there's guys, good players they could move around. What, what they don't have right now is they don't have a pure goal scorer and they don't have a power play defenseman. Those are the two biggest things that they don't have. I didn't get most of the game. How did Kadula play today? He was fine. He did fine. Yeah, I mean, doing pretty good. Yeah, I don't. He wasn't outstanding. He wasn't. He was. He was just good. I, I mean, he doesn't look out of place. He doesn't look, you know, like he's completely getting shoved nope. around. But I think, like a lot of guys, could have, could have. I use the word detail, and I use that word a lot. Was it his most detailed game? Probably not. But you know, he's fine. No, it, it, it did sound stale, though. Kind of like you know, lackluster. Like, yeah, we're not really going to do that. I think they got. I think they were surprised. I think they were surprised in the first twenty minutes at how hard Arizona came at them, and not physically, but how hard they came at them with the forecheck. And I wonder if I'm going to. I'm going to make what could sound like the stupid comment of the year, but I wonder if the early goal actually wound up having a negative effect on the Oilers. Like I wonder if they're like, "Great point night again. We just scored four in the third period against Colorado. Here we go again." That well, yeah. that and the second goal to make it two nothing. Now all of a sudden you're thinking, all right, two nothing. Talbot's playing well. This could be a really good night for us. And it it didn't turn because Arizona became a much better hockey club, and they just shut her down. Blair, thanks for calling. Okay, thanks, guys. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We're going to get to uh, Connor McDavid post game in a couple minutes, but first we'll go to Greg on the line. Hey, Greg. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Okay, first off, uh, before I get started here, I'm just wondering uh, what was the face-off percentage for the Oilers tonight. Yes, uh, I have off. it. Hang on. The Oilers were at 46%, so obviously Arizona was at 54 I can give you all the individuals. Uh, uh, Leon... Sorry? Uh, I, I was just wondering the general face-off percentage. Oh, okay. But it, it's well, actually... It's a very misleading 46% because one of the players on the Oilers was 70%. So that and, boosted them up quite a ways. And that was a dry saddle? Dry was fine. He was 50. Mark Grilatestu was 70 Nugent Hopkins was 31. McDavid was 17. Okay. Um, the other thing I want to say is I thought, I don't know why everyone's hating on Pugliot tonight. I thought he played an okay game. Like, he wasn't in the play offensively, but I thought he played a relatively good game. He was back to his regular aggressive forecheck. Um, you know, I thought he played okay. Um, the other thing, there's a couple of things that uh, I'd like you guys to uh, give your opinions on, but... Um, Pooley Harvey, man, he looks like he's going to have a breakout game sometime soon because he's always in the right position. He's ready to shoot. There's been a lot of block shots. Like, he, he, he is looking really good. And the a lot of people are hitting on the, the power play in overtime. Um, oh, but, yeah, 40% in the last three games. Like, four, like that, that, that's not sustainable, for one. Um, and for two, um I, I, I want to vote for you guys, and you guys should put this out on Twitter or Facebook or whatever you guys do. I vote for you guys to get a raise, too, so I'm all in favor of that. So put that out there. Let's get that vote going because uh, we'll, get you, we'll get you guys some more money here. All but right. anyway, um, I just want to know if the, the timekeepers uh, with McDavid's goal were the same timekeepers at the Raptors game. Because, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah, this time, crazy, eh? maybe they maybe this time they just started the clock a little too soon. So well, and that goal would have counted. But all in all, it was a tough loss. Um, I thought the Oilers had uh, uh, a lot more scoring chances than uh, Arizona. I guess is what they're called now. But uh, I, I thought the Oilers played a better game. Yeah, they gave up a lot of shots, but I think. Uh, if you go scoring chance for scoring chance, I think uh, the Oilers um, did 
to have more scoring chances, but they just needed to uh, tighten up a little more defensively tonight, and it was a, it was a tough loss. And thanks. And and mark my words, we are going to crush them the next game. All right, thanks, Greg. We appreciate it. You know what? On the the, the, the final goal that was just allowed on Connor McDavid, what was pretty cool about it was the puck came to McDavid at the blue line. He actually slipped, and I looked. Up at the the top where they show the time, there was like three seconds, three point something seconds when he had the puck at the blue line. And I'm thinking there's absolutely no chance, just shoot it now. But the fact that they made the pass and then a return pass to McDavid and he falling backwards has to bubble it and gets the puck up and over the net and still within a hundredth of a second. It just shows you how fast the game is because when the puck came to him at the blue line, I thought there was no chance there was even going to be a shot on net. That was an incredible sequence. Mm-hmm. Just... And then, and then for Benning, because I was thinking, well, Benning better shoot. And then not, and then when he tried the pass, I was like, oh, no, it might not. Because like, there was a little bit of back pressure coming. And I'm thinking, with that much time, I was even wondering, will Smith just throw his stick out and try to block the pass and, and kill off the rest of the clock? Because you know, he figures, well, if I miss it, there might not be enough time. You know, like, it, there's so much going through my head. But it, it, I think as great it was as... Uh, what McDavid did. I mean, again, Rob, you touched it off the top of the show. Credit to Benning mm-hmm. for that read and for actually making the play. He's he's a smart hockey player, a very smart hockey player, and it's also showing uh, the trust that the coaching staff has in him. That they have him out in overtime, playing three on three, four on four. It was at that point four on four, I think. But they're out, he's out there in overtime uh, in, in a game which was probably what his twelfth game in the National Hockey League. He just he just shows he impresses you each and every time he goes out there and the strength of him the strength in his game is his hockey IQ and on that one you saw right there a wonderful play to McDavid unfortunately just a blink of an eye too late and you'll hear from Connor McDavid when we get back Oilers fall three two in a shootout to the Coyotes it's Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. <laughs> Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Just looking at the NHL standings, the Oilers 12-8-2. They are first in the Pacific Division by a point over the Sharks who gave a, have a game in hand. The Oilers currently seventh overall in the NHL. Their captain is Connor McDavid, who had a goal tonight in a 3-2 shootout loss to Arizona. Game-wise, what do you think of the way you guys came out today? Uh, gave up way too many chances, way too many shots on that. Um, you know, Tobbs was great back there, kept us in it all night and gave us a chance to win. And, um, you know, we can't be giving up that many chances. Um, you know, ultimately, definitely not our best effort. Um, still got, came away with a point, which is positive, but um, you know, we need to get two against divisional teams. Because it started so well, I mean, you scored on your first shift, and I thought, okay, you know, it's going to be the night, but they just kept pounding away in that first period. Yeah, you know, I think they had 20 shots in the first period, so that's not nearly good enough um, you know, off the hop. So. Kind of good that you get a crack at them right away, afternoon game on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we had another opportunity to play them again. Um, you know, we'll give them our best next time. Um, um, and we definitely weren't our best tonight, and um, you know, I think the real positive out of that is uh, we get another crack, like you said, on Sunday. All right, so Connor McDavid gets his 10th goal of the season, came on a breakaway a minute 31 in. He nearly won it, just couldn't quite beat the clock as overtime expired. <coughs> McDavid now with nine points in his last four games. Text here to 636-30. Mike says, I think they should try Larson on the power play. He showed today he can one-time it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think Clefbaum has been all right there. 
Uh, I am surprised a little bit that Larson hasn't. Yeah, I don't know if they. I don't know if they want to thrust that on him. Like I think they just they know what happened with the trade and how that's going to be picked apart, and I think they just want to bring him along, do your job. I mean, he's clearly doing the job he was brought in to do. Yeah, but to, to me, I, I don't think it would affect. I mean, he looks like a guy. Most things just kind of roll off his back, anyways. Um, I mean, he, he's exactly what they need—a big right-handed shot that can hammer the puck. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at some point if he gets that opportunity because I don't think anything on the defensive part has been set in stone as of yet. All right, so McDavid and Larson had the Oilers goals. Domi and Doan for the Coyotes, and then Oliver ekman Larson gets the game-deciding goal in the shootout. 3-2 for the Coyotes is the final. You can get more Oilers postgame on the Oilers page on 630chet.com. Rob, I will see you Sunday morning. Yes, it's a... Well, you can come in the afternoon, I guess. Maybe I'm on in the morning. I'll I'll be listening to you in the morning. I'll be rolling in here in the afternoon. It's an 11.30 a.m. face-off show. The game starts at 1 o'clock back at Rogers Place, the second half of this home-and-home between Arizona and Edmonton. Thanks to our studio producer this evening, Matthew Panacek. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.